Welcome to the top-rated and award-nominated Grad School Fentoring Podcast, the place for first-gen BIPOCs to learn about all things grad school, personal development, and sustainable productivity. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez-Vu, and I will be serving as your Femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to successfully navigate grad school and beyond. For over 13 years, I've been empowering first-gen students of color along their academic and professional journeys, and I'm really excited to support you too. Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez-Bu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey, too. everyone to another episode of the Grad School Femtoring Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Yvette. And today I have an episode on how to foster joy in grad school. And I want to preface this just to say that if you are new to my podcast, I am an academic coach, author, speaker. I'm a Chicana. I am neurodivergent. I am chronically ill. And I am someone who um, grew up thinking that joy was a privilege and that it was something that only people who were not like me experienced. And what do I mean by that? I mean that um, I grew up uh, experiencing childhood trauma. I grew up uh, living in a working class community um, and always kind of paycheck to paycheck and in some cases in poverty. And um, I also grew up struggling with my mental health. I, I say for as long as I can remember, I have felt anxiety and depression and it comes in waves and I've gotten a lot better at managing it now. Um, but I always worked under the assumption that I was just never going to be a happy person. Um, I used to be very, very pessimistic and focused on the negative and focused on catastrophic thinking. Why? Because I had experienced things in life that felt like catastrophes to me at the time. And well, as you know, grad school femtoring, this episode, I always try to tie it back to grad school. Grad school was a really formative experience for me. And in grad school, I felt a lot of high highs and low lows. And one of my lowest lows, I mentioned many times, if you're familiar with my podcast, if you are one of my loyal listeners, first off, thank you for listening but you know that I struggled with severe postpartum depression. That is no joke. That is not something that I take lightly. And it is something that I am so incredibly proud to have overcome. And it is also something that I am afraid 
to encounter again in the future. But I have learned a lot of different ways of little things that I have been doing in my life that have increased my moments of joy. And if you have more moments of joy, as they accumulate over time, you'll notice that you're experiencing a more joyful life. And because even though I had high highs and low lows, I felt like I had more lows than highs in grad school. And I don't want that for you. I know graduate school is hard. It is a big challenge. There are a lot of hurdles and it can be a mind fuck, <laughs> to be honest, to go through all of these hurdles, especially if you're first gen, especially if you're a person of color, especially if you are different in any way, shape or form. But that doesn't mean that this program should rob you of your joy. And so let me just share a few things that I have been doing or more conscious of lately that has helped to increase my my feelings of joy um, overall. And I don't have a lot of notes for this. I just kind of jotted down some things that came to mind when it came to, to experiencing joy. So we'll see. This might be a shorter episode. But the first thing is um, reminding you about this concept of the arrival fallacy. If you follow me on social media and you uh, watch my reels, there was one reel that got a, a good amount of uh, attention and it was on the arrival fallacy. In fact, my younger brother, <laughs> he's um, he he follows my my work. And he's trying to figure out what is coming next after he finished college. And he told me, wow, that that one video where you talked about this concept about uh, this fallacy is like, oh, yeah, the arrival fallacy. He said that was really memorable for him. Why? Because the arrival fallacy is the false conception that as soon as you arrive at whatever place it is, well, as soon as you reach whatever milestone, you're going to experience long lasting happiness. That is not true. More often than not, we move on to the next milestone and the next milestone and we delay our happiness. We postpone it. And for the folks who experience more joy, they tend to prioritize experiencing and prioritizing joy in the process. So finding moments that you can look forward to during the process of you reaching your milestones. So in your case, if you are going through your graduate school journey and your milestone involves finishing your coursework and passing qualifying exams and writing a thesis or dissertation, then I want you to be very intentional about planning moments in your timeline that are joyful and doing things that you look forward to doing. If you focus on joy in the process rather than once you meet a milestone, I guarantee you, you will feel more joyful than if you wait until you're done with whatever thing is. And a lot of times we reach that big pinnacle of a milestone and we think to ourselves, this is it? Really? Like, why do I feel so down? You know how many people I've talked to who, and I, I said this before, who experience post bachelor's degree um, blues or 
I don't know if you want to call it depression. It might not be depression, but experiencing some sort of like really kind of downward spiral. Uh, the same goes with folks who finish um, any kind of milestone. They, fin- they finish their, their graduate program. They reach whatever, um, whatever the next step is in advancing in their career. It could even be something bigger that you've always dreamt of doing. And you arrive and you're like, oh, I really wanted to have X, Y, and Z. Now I have X, Y, and Z. Why am I so unhappy? You know, I'm thinking about folks who have worked so hard to finally get that good paying job and they're finally making good money and they realize I am miserable. I don't want that for you. I want you to figure out what are the things that make you happy now incorporate them into your day-to-day life, even if it's micro moments, even if it's two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, micro moments of joy, because then by the time you reach those big milestones, you'll have a better idea of what makes you happy. And then you can set goals in alignment with those things. Does that make sense? So the first one, arrival fallacy, I want you to be aware of that. I didn't learn about this until uh, recently, the last couple of months, I think. And I wish that I had had a way to describe that feeling that I had so many times. I wish that I had had that language. And now that I have it, that's why I'm sharing it with you. The next thing um, that I want to share is to make sure that you focus on nourishing the relationships in your life that are meaningful to you and to make time for them. This is hard because in graduate school, you're very busy, you have a lot of obligations, and it often feels like you don't have time for your loved ones. I put my social life on hold for a good portion of my graduate school years. And I I would not do that now if I could go back in time. Uh, I was listening to this um, podcast and they were interviewing, I think it was a Harvard professor who did a study and interviewed uh, folks who were in their 80s and asked them about what are the things that they most regretted about their lives or that they would change if they could go back in time. And um, most of them, talked about relationships that they wish that they had dedicated more time to spend with the people that they love. I'm sure you've felt that way too. If you've ever lost a loved one, if you've ever had someone close to you pass away, don't you get that feeling of, I wish I would have spent more time with them or I wish I would have told them X. Well, now, (laughs) if you know me, I used to be very I used to be very selective about who I called a friend, who I called a best friend, who I said I love you to. And now I feel like I am very generous with my love and with my affection and with telling people that I care, that I care about them because I don't take that for granted anymore. And um, I, I sometimes get busy too, but when there's a moment, something reminds me of someone I care about, Instead of letting that moment pass, I send them a quick message. I send them a quick DM. I send them a quick email, whatever it is I'm doing. I let people know that I'm thinking about them, especially the people that I really care about. And I want you to do that too. Even if it's a quick, 
five, 10 minute call to someone that you love, family member, and saying, hey, I don't have a lot of time. I just want to see how you're doing and help you have a good day. Love you. Bye. That's it. So focus on making time for the relationships that matter to you. The next thing is uh, what I mentioned earlier, but I want to mention it again, which is to find things to look forward to in the process. And here I'm referring specifically to coming up with reward systems and continuously rewarding yourself for all the things that you do. And this can be big and it can be small. Small rewards, me voy a comprar un cafecito <laughs> or me voy a hacer un cafecito. I'm going to go take a walk or I'm going to call a friend. Um, big rewards, I'm going to save up for this trip. I'm going to use my credit card points for this trip. I'm going, you know, I'm saying that because I actually just booked um, a hotel to go visit a city nearby here and we use credit card points because we are on a very, very tight budget right now as we prepare to move back to the U.S. And, but I'm still finding ways to reward myself. Even if I don't have much money to spend, you can do that too. You'll find ways, things that you can look forward to and that you can do to reward yourself. Why? Because you deserve it. Okay. The next thing is uh, to find music that makes you feel good, to create a playlist or go back and listen to a playlist you already have of your favorite music. And then find moments in your week to play it in the background. I like to do this as a family while tidying or cleaning. And if you are from a you know, Latinx, Latina household, um, you probably grew up with, with a mom or a tia or an abuelita who would play some jams, <laughs> Spanish-speaking jams in the background while they were doing their weekly or daily cleaning. I don't know how how into cleaning they were, um, but I know that was my experience too, is going to my nana's house and, and listening to music that now I'm very fond of. And so we do that too. And I have a daughter who loves music. I mean, I think that She's loved music since the womb. I could feel her just dancing inside my belly when she was, when I was pregnant. And she loves music and she loves dancing and she asks for music all the time. And guess what? I am more than willing to, to pause whatever I'm doing, you know, if I can, if I'm not in the middle of a meeting or something, and take that pause, take those five, 10 minutes, play a couple of songs and dance away with her. Music actually has a way of impacting your mood. So don't uh, underestimate the power of music and sound and noises and how they can impact you and your life. Okay. The next thing is developing a gratitude practice. Again, the former cynic in me, the former pessimist in me, would think like, mm, like, I don't want to do that. I don't have time for that. Like, mm, is that even going to work? I, I was doubtful. But I started doing this in grad school. Again, I struggled a lot in grad school. And I had a friend who was struggling too. And we both were trying to work on 
our self-growth at the time. And one thing we did was we created a Google Doc and we both would go in every day and write three things that we were grateful for. And she would see mine, I would see hers. And it was really nice to get ideas for what to be grateful for based off what she would share that I hadn't even thought of to be grateful for and vice versa. And now I no longer have a shared Google Doc, um, but I do make it an ongoing practice of reminding myself and reminding my kids, um, you know, the things that we are grateful for. So this can look like a number of different ways you could write it down. I know I have gratitude exercises in my growth journal. So if you're interested in my growth journal, I think I'll link it in today's episode for you to download it. Um, So you can write it down or you could just before before a meal, at the beginning of your day or at the end of a day, you know, incorporate it as part of a habit that you have. You know, you can do the habit stacking. You know, you're going to brush your teeth every morning. Then maybe while you're brushing your teeth, you remind yourself, what are some things I'm grateful for? Um, But over time, gratitude actually can help you improve your mood and experience more joy um, even in the little things even if you don't have all the things that you wish that you had there's something for you to be grateful for all right another thing i want to mention is to exercise acts of kindness and by this i mean doing acts of kindness without expecting anything in return because i know some folks who sometimes they do nice things and they expect you to return it back tenfold, (laughs) who are counting down. I'll do something for you and we'll count down how many things you've done for them. I don't want you to do that. I also know folks, myself included, who used to bend over backwards and do so many favors for people that then they end up becoming resentful and leave no time and space for them to tend to themselves, for them to work and make time for their own, you know, stuff. And if this is you, I don't want you to be so kind to the point where you have an empty cup. I don't want you to be uh, exercising so many acts of kindness where other people view you as a doormat or where other people view you as their yes person. Um, You want to make sure that if you are exercising acts of kindness, that you do so, you know, while still prioritizing yourself while still setting boundaries and without expecting anything in return, just doing it for the sake of hopefully lifting someone's day. And one way, you know, one example of something you could do is complimenting someone. You're in a meeting with someone, just randomly complimenting them on something, ideally something that's not um, physical, Uh, something about who they are and what they do and what their strengths are. Um, That's always really nice. I know I love it when people remind me of the things that they notice, you know, that they like about me or that are my strengths or the way that I've helped them. So um, that's one way. But there's so many ways that you can do little acts of kindness, even if it's like someone is, is doing a fundraiser and maybe you don't have a lot to give, but you have $10 to give, or maybe it's you opening the door for a random stranger 
or maybe it's um I remember one time we were at a parking lot and someone didn't have cash to pay for their parking and I think we gave her like a couple of dollars is all she needed gave her a couple of dollars she was so so happy and so grateful and what's a couple of dollars if you have them to spare you know it doesn't always have to be monetary there are a lot of ways that you can exercise kindness and it does help again boost your mood another thing that goes without saying is to focus on your physical well-being this will help you um, to feel better which will help lift your mood and help you feel more joy and by this I mean doing things that make your body feel good it, that can mean moving more that can mean walk it can be whatever it is that makes your body feel good and also eating food and drinking liquids that make you feel good as well I I'm not really into diet culture. I'm not really one to be telling you how to exercise or what to eat or what works well for you. You know your body best. And so start to become more observant and more reflective to notice what are the things that make you feel good and what are the things that don't make you feel good and do more of the things that feel good and less of the things that don't feel good. I hope that makes sense. The next thing is um, getting, um, developing some sort of spiritual practice or engagement. And I don't want to conflict this with a religious practice because I actually don't think you necessarily need to be religious to be spiritual. I am not a very religious person. I'll just be open and honest about that. And I have friends who are very religious and we respect each other's differences but the way that we bond is in the fact that we are very religious i mean sorry we are very spiritual people and so what does spirituality look like spirituality can look like any customs or rituals that you practice regularly that help you have a deeper purpose or remind you of a greater calling and so, um, you know, again, there's a lot of things that you can do to exercise spirituality. The ones that I'm familiar with that I have engaged in are things like journaling, lighting candles, praying, deep breathing, meditation. But you can do a simple search to try to look and brainstorm of ways to get more in tune with your spirituality. I actually noticed I did a life assessment a few months back and the life assessment, I was trying to figure out like how, where I was in terms of addressing different aspects of my life and my well-being. And one of the things in my life that had the lowest score was my spirituality. And that's when I realized, you know what, I can't just be doing it here and there on and off. Like I actually want to embrace it and not be ashamed and do the things that make again, make me feel good that are part of a spiritual practice. And so for so long, I always thought, okay, lighting candles is so woo-woo. And there's, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't prove it through research and science-backed data that works. But you know what? My mama has a botanica 
And I grew up with her always lighting me candles for any little thing. Every time I had something going on, I remember, I distinctly remember when I went through my qualifying exams telling her, Mama, light me these candles, especially light me one for this one toxic committee member, because I want to make sure that this person is not out to get me. (laughs) Can you hear the trauma in my voice? And, um, and I think that her candles are the reason I'm moving back to the U.S. I'm just, I'm just kind of being silly right now. But the point is now I embrace the fact that I grew up with candles as a spiritual practice. And that to me makes me feel good and helps me to set intentions. And then it helps me to take action on those intentions. So spiritual engagements can be helpful. All right. I think those are all the things that I have to share for today. I also hear my toddler yelling in the background, which means that she probably just woke up from her nap. But I want to end this by saying that I don't think it's realistic to assume that all moments in grad school will be joyful. That's not true. Emotions, like a lot of things, they come in waves, they come in cycles, they come in seasons. But what we do have uh, the power to do is to be intentional about fostering more joyful moments in our lives. That's it, everyone. I hope you found this episode helpful, insightful, and I will talk to you all next time. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you like what you heard, here are four ways you can support the show. The first is to make sure you're subscribed and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The second way is to get your copy of my free Grad School Fem Touring Resource Kit, which includes essential information to prepare for and navigate grad school. You can access it at the link in today's show notes. The third way to support my show is to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram with the handle at Grad School Fem Touring and on LinkedIn by searching my name. The last way to show your love is to sign up to work with me via my Grad School Fem Touring Academy, my group coaching program for first-gen BIPOCs seeking to work on their personal growth and gain sustainable productivity skills. You can learn more at gradschoolfemtouring.com slash academy. Thanks again for listening and until next time.